the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thank you so much for joining us as we get underway at 7 minutes after the hour of 9 on this Thursday, the 16th morning of the fifth month of the year of our Lord, 2019. I've got a couple of very good guests coming up today in about an hour. Dr. Everett Piper will join us, the uh, outgoing president of Oklahoma Wesleyan University, best-selling author and political pundit. I'm uh, going to talk to him about Harvard as kind of a... Uh, Kind of a microcosm, if you will, of the larger uh, problem in America on America's campuses today of the inmates running the asylum, the students running the institutions. Literally, you have administrators, faculty members, trustees, university presidents, department chairs, all bowing to the whim of the all-powerful, woke, social justice warrior students. Um, crazy story coming out of Harvard there, and then we're going to also... There is no question about that. I'll come back to that in just a moment. But that's where we are. Uh, so we're going to talk about that and uh, uh, with uh, Dr. Piper. And then coming up at about 1035, you've heard of the, the phrase toxic masculinity, right? It basically means that all of the problems that our country is enduring now and, and in the past, it's all because of men. Toxic masculinity, men puffing out their chests and trying to be tough and trying to be uh, in control of everything. That's what the problem is. Toxic masculinity. We're going to talk to Stefan Arneo. He is the author of Hard Times Create Strong Men, Why the World Craves Leadership, and How Men Can Step Up to Fill the Need. That is exactly 
the correct response. We'll let him tell you the story of his book coming up in a bit. But the culture war 2020 is where we start today. The Alabama uh, law is now law. Let me redo that. The Alabama bill that was passed by the uh, Alabama House last week, the Alabama Senate earlier this week, has now been signed into law by the Alabama governor. And we're not done there. That Missouri bill would ban all abortions from eight weeks into pregnancy onward, making no exception for rape or incest. Alabama's Governor Kay Ivey signed the nation's most restrictive abortion bill yesterday afternoon. Amanda Reyes works with an Alabama group that provides funding to women seeking pregnancy termination. We have already seen panic from people who are unsure of whether or not they're going to be able to get the abortions that they have scheduled this week. Though the Alabama law will take six months to come into full force. So uh, that's just a little update. Alabama is just the most recent. It is not the last. Who is next? Well, there are several different answers to that. And they're all great because every state that is willing to undertake this now is, is, you know, a state that we can say is, and by the way, this is exactly what it should be about, right? States' rights. The inevitable challenge of Roe versus Wade at the Supreme Court level, which is, which is the goal here, obviously. The inevitable challenge is to take it out of the hands of the federal government and make this a states' rights issue. That's what Alabama's law is designed to do. They know there's going to be a lawsuit, just like there has already been a lawsuit filed to stop the Ohio heartbeat ban, or heartbeat uh, uh, law, rather. Uh, this was literally just filed yesterday. Planned Parenthood and abortion clinics sued yesterday to thwart Ohio's large, or excuse me, latest and most restrictive abortion law, an anticipated move that's part of a national anti-abortion strategy to challenge the landmark Roe v. Wade decision. The lawsuit is similar to legal fights in several southern states that recently passed similar or more aggressive legislation to push the now conservative-leaning. I'll pause there because I don't know that I agree there. This is uh, News5Cleveland.com, Channel 5, with a report. I don't know that we can call it a more conservative-leaning Supreme Court with Brett Kavanaugh. Brett Kavanaugh has been anything but conservative since uh, he was uh, confirmed. But at any rate, to take up abortion and overturn the 1973 law, Wednesday's lawsuit filed in federal courts in Columbus by groups represented by the ACLU and other civil rights attorneys say banning abortions after the first detectable fetal heartbeat is unconstitutional and would prohibit nearly all abortions in Ohio, or as many as nine of every ten. If a woman is forced to continue a pregnancy against her will, it can pose a risk to her physical, mental, and emotional health, as well as the stability and well-being of her family, including existing children, according to the lawsuit. That sounds just like what I heard from Planned Parenthood when I went and saw the movie Unplanned. That is exactly the type of argument that they make. They're trying to make it sound as though Planned Parenthood, who filed this lawsuit, and who, which of course was featured in the movie Unplanned, the life story, of Abby Johnson, former Planned Parenthood clinic director, uh, turned one of the most staunch anti-abortion and pro-life advocates in the United States. That is exactly what they try to say. They try to talk about the health and the well-being of the mother and the family and so on and so forth, when the bottom line is it is about profit first and then profit second, and then after that they'll start being concerned about profit, and then profit, and then profit. As a matter of fact, Planned Parenthood is concerned about profit first, last, 
and always, as evidenced by, A, as I said, a lot of the things in the movie from, a, from an actual former Planned Parenthood executive director. She was the director of one of the clinics. And uh, number two, just from the statistics. The statistics that show the number of abortions that Planned Parenthood performs every year compared to the number of other women's health um, procedures or examinations, which are next to none because those aren't profitable. They make their money on killing babies. I don't want to get too far off in the weeds on this, but so this is where we are. Alabama uh, Governor uh, Kay Ivey has signed the most restrictive abortion bill into law. Who's next? Well, Missouri followed that up with, uh, and uh, it hasn't been signed yet, but it's going to be, uh, with an eight-week abortion ban. Now, that's a little bit different than the heartbeat bills passed by our state here in Ohio and by the state of Georgia. Those are heartbeat-detectable laws. If the heartbeat of the baby is detectable, it is now said to be alive, which is a reasonable position to, to hold. When someone is near death... If someone is in a terrible accident and a, and a first responder is trying to determine life, what is the first thing that they do? They check the pulse. Is there a pulse? That means the heart is beating. The pulse is the heartbeat. That means this person is still alive. When the pulse goes away, then the, there is not a live person there. So when a pulse is detected, otherwise known as a heartbeat, inside a woman's womb, now you have another person there that is alive. So it's reasonable. But at any rate, uh, Ohio and, and Georgia passed those bills into law and signed them into law, uh, which essentially say roughly six weeks, because that's about the point in gestation when a heartbeat is detectable. Louisiana said, or excuse me, not uh, Louisiana, Missouri basically said, we're just going eight weeks, because we don't know when it's going to be detectable. We're just saying eight weeks. You cannot perform an abortion on a woman who is eight weeks or more pregnant. That pretty much covers it. Next is Louisiana. A proposal to ban abortions in Louisiana as early as the sixth week of pregnancy continued to speed through the state legislature yesterday, the same day Alabama's governor signed their uh, measure into law. Without objection, the Louisiana House Health and Welfare Committee backed legislation to prohibit abortions when a fetal heartbeat is detected, similar to the laws passed in Ohio and in Georgia. So Louisiana is now on the, uh, on the, uh, on the list. And more states are coming. More states are coming. This is gaining momentum. Life is beginning to win. Other states are pursuing and defending laws to ban abortion after six weeks of pregnancy. I just gave you several states that are uh, already, uh, you know, either have passed them and had them signed or in the process of doing so, but there are more states that are coming. And this is all, of course, going to end up uh, as as a challenge, as just as Planned Parenthood sued to get their millions of dollars in profit back in the state of Ohio, eventually it's going to be challenged in Alabama, challenged in Missouri, challenged in Georgia, and it's all going to end up uh, in the Supreme Court. At which point, when Roe versus Wade is ultimately overturned and reversed, it will be up to each state to decide what it wants to do, and that is how it's supposed to be. Let the people of each state decide what is right for life in their state. So, and, and by the way, I want to throw this at you real briefly on this issue. Um, Prager University had one of the best lines when confronting 
people who are pro-choice, who think it's okay to go ahead and, and kill babies and so on and so forth. It's really just an interesting way to look at it. From Prager University, this was tweeted this morning, and I shared it on my Twitter at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio. Find me on Twitter and on Facebook so that we can communicate with one another. But I shared PragerU's tweet, which reads this way. If a woman smoked, drank alcohol, or did drugs while she was pregnant, society would criticize her for harming her unborn child. I'll pause there to ask you, is that right or wrong? That's not controversial, is it? That's not in question, is it? Isn't that accurate? If we see a pregnant woman at a bar sucking on a cigarette and drinking beer or or wine or, or something else, if we saw a pregnant woman shooting up, wouldn't we all be absolutely disgusted and repulsed and tell her, don't drink while you're pregnant, you're going to harm your baby. Don't use drugs, don't smoke. You're going to harm that little pre-born person inside of you. We would be disgusted by that. Back to the second half of the PragerU tweet. If a woman chooses to end the life of her child through abortion, however... Society praises her and calls it her human right, her body, her choice. So it's not her body, her choice. If she's pregnant and smoking, we're all concerned, including those on the left. But if she decides to go in and have the child, I don't know, dismembered rather than affected by smoke or alcohol, if she chooses to go into a a quote-unquote health care clinic and have the child injected with a poison, that essentially burns them from the inside out to make them lifeless so that they can then be scraped out and discarded. If you, if a woman wants to do that, it's, hey, we salute your choice. Shout your abortion, they say. That's, a, that's an online thing. Shout your abortion. The lunatic fringe, generally starting in Hollywood, but not always, wants women to tweet the stories of their own abortions. Tell us how you had your abortion. What age? When? How many? Be proud of that, they're, say, they're saying. Would anybody say be proud of the smoking you did while you were pregnant that caused your baby to be malformed? Would anybody say it was a great idea for you? Be proud. Shout your drug use during pregnancy. Nobody would say that. Prager University is exactly right. And as long as we're on the lines, as long as we're on the lines of... Um, my body, my choice, which seems to be the argument here. I don't have to say any of this because I'm a man. I'm a man. I don't get to tell women what to do with their bodies. My body, my choice, mister. When is the last time you went up to a pregnant woman you knew? A woman who is visibly pregnant and said to her, Hey! Congratulations on the changes to your body. Hey, how long is your body going to be changed like that? When will will your body change back? Nobody says that to a pregnant woman. They might, however, say, Hey, congratulations on your baby. When is your baby due? Is this your first baby? How many other babies have you had? 
Nobody talks about your body. They talk about your baby. So next time you want to give us my body, my choice, understand we don't care about your body. And that not that isn't that probably sounds worse than it, than it is. It doesn't mean we don't care about you. It's just that we're not concerned at this point about your body. We're talking about the body of the baby inside of you. You see, that baby has a choice. That baby deserves the right to say. And since they can't say, we say for them. Their body, their choice. And chances are pretty solid that the baby is going to choose to not be murdered. All right, it's 922. I know we uh, hit abortion hard yesterday, uh, but I'm just telling you, it is the dominating story of the country right now, especially with state after state after state, including ours, passing new restrictions on abortion, knowing this is headed to a challenge at the Supreme Court with Roe versus Wade. This is where we are. If you would like to weigh in, I would love to hear from you. 216 yesterday, Kay Ivey, when she signed uh, the Alabama abortion restriction bill, said, quote, I signed into law today the Alabama Human Life Protection Act, a bill that was approved by overwhelming majorities in both chambers of the legislature. To the bill's many supporters, this legislation stands as a powerful testament to Alabamians' deeply held belief that every life is precious and that every life is a sacred gift from God. To all Alabamians, I assure you that we will continue to follow the rule of law. And that means observing the law that is similar to the law in Alabama prior to 1973. So this is, again, this is a spreading, growing movement that ultimately is going to end up in the halls of the uh, halls of justice, if you will, literally the Supreme Court justices. I am a little bit concerned, 100%, uh, to be 100% honest with you, rather. I am a little concerned because I don't know if I can trust Brett Kavanaugh. Remember, the reason the left tried to torpedo his nomination to the court is because they felt like he would be a pro-life vote and would be the the swing vote that tipped um, uh, Roe versus Wade over the edge and got that reversed. That's why they dumped him, and that's why they set him up with all of those phony allegations of sexual assault and running uh, 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 uh gang rape rings and all kinds of other nonsense that they did to him, they were afraid that this conservative was going to tip the court the other way. Well, so far, in a number of cases that he has uh, voted on and and, uh, and helped decide and presided over as uh, uh, one of the Supreme Court justices, he has sided with the left in 5-4 majorities. He has sided with the liberals rather than the conservatives in a number of cases which we have discussed. So I don't know if Brett Kavanaugh is what we expect and hope him to be in, in the battle against Roe versus Wade anyway. Roe versus Wade, rather, anyway. It's a very serious question. It's a very serious consideration. One that I'm worried about. Uh, I'll take your phone calls. I do see you on hold. Stay there. I'm coming right back to you next on AM 1420. It's not going to be a single subject show today. I do have other things I'm going to talk about. But right now, this is where we are. So again, if you'd like to be heard, please be heard. Back after this. It's the Bob France Authority here on AM 1420. The answer. Nine thirty-five. We 
continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Don't forget Dr. Everett Piper coming up at the top of the next hour. We're going to talk about toxic masculinity with a best-selling author also next hour at about 1035. You're going to want to be a part. Guys, especially if, especially if you feel um, you know attacked, uh, assaulted, uh, blamed for everything, you're not alone. You are being attacked, assaulted, and blamed for everything. Toxic masculinity and the patriarchy is responsible for all of the ills that this country suffers from right now. At least that's what the left is going to tell you, and are already telling you, so we're going to address that. Uh, right now, I want to go to the phones, as I promised. 216-901-0945 is the number, or 888-281-1110. Bob and Menner is up first. Bob, thanks for waiting. Go ahead. Thanks, Bob. Hey, yes, I think you are capable of changing a lot of minds by changing the rhetoric, and I'm talking about two words, pro-death instead of pro-choice. I don't know why we've been playing by their rules, um, I think if you started, if everybody started using the words pro-death instead of pro-choice, a lot of people would take attention. Yeah, um, it, it's funny how the semantics uh, can change the game, and they know that too. That's why they call pro-lifers anti-choicers. They want to make us sound like we are the bad ones. We're denying uh, them their choice of whether or not they have their baby. So they call us anti-choicers. Uh, I agree with you. Uh, pro-death, I say pro-abortion, uh, because it's that's reality of it. It's not choice. It's you are pro the right to abort a child, which is to kill. So pro-murder, pro-abortion. That's why I call the Democrat Party, which is largely behind this, the pods, the party of death. Uh, because the semantics kind of do. Well, Well, it just depends on the forum. You know, Bob, uh, in some forums, you know, especially if you want to be able to have a, a, a civil discussion with somebody, if you hit them with that, um, uh, you know, the, the you know, you're pro murder, you can't have a civil discussion. In the interest of civil discussion, in some forums, on some stages, debate stages, and so on and so forth, you have to just kind of use the pro choice uh, um, vernacular. But uh, but in in other you know in other circumstances, yeah, I, I'm with you. I have no problem calling it what it is. It's pro murder. It's party of death. Oh, good. Thank you. You got it, my friend. Thank you, Bob. I totally agree. I do. I, I just, my point is, it's kind of like if you're having a debate on, uh, I don't know, uh, blah, 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 illegal, uh, illegal immigration. You know, if you're trying to have a, a civil debate that you don't just want somebody to hang up on, or if it's on a stage to walk off the stage, you probably avoid the term illegal alien. You say illegal immigrant. They're going to try to soften it even more and say undocumented worker. Now, and, and you got to meet somewhere. Uh, and I say, I'll stop at illegal immigrant, illegal immigrant. That's as far as I'll go. Undocumented is not in my vocabulary. Undocumented worker is not in my vocabulary. You're an illegal immigrant, or if I'm in the right place, an illegal alien. And I should not feel bad about using that phrase or, uh, at all, ever, because that's a phrase the U.S. government uses. It's in the, it's in the code for crying out loud. It's in our laws. Illegal alien is the term. Someone is alien to this land. It doesn't mean space alien. It means you are an alien to this land, but it's, it's become a pejorative. It's become a, an insult. Something you can't say to people. It's protected speech. But, but yeah, I mean, you know, there are certain places you can say things more directly the way they really are, and certain places you cannot. It's the only issue. Frank is in uh, Brook Park next. Hi, Frank. You're on AM 1420. The answer. Good morning. Thank you. Hey, uh, good morning. Uh, uh we need help at these killing chambers, okay? And the Bedford Heights Planned Parenthood and the preterm on Shaker Boulevard. 
there's many open hours. We need more people to be there. And uh, what anyone would see if they stay late, particularly on a Saturday, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, when they stay open, they're open about 7 a.m. till 7 p.m. on Saturday at preterm, 12,000 Chicago Boulevard. They hold the most wounded women, the bleeders, up there. They want to wait for us to leave so we don't get them on camera with the rescue squad. Women are being mutilated regularly. So we need people to cover the hours at 12,000 Shaker Boulevard, particularly on Saturdays, all day long. And at Planned Parenthood, at Bedford Heights, 253.50 Rockside Road. That We need a lot of help. Frank, what uh, are, are you a part of an organization um, that 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 organizes yes. this, or is this just kind of on a whim? If you want to go up, you go up. Like where where would people yes. sign up if they wanted to say, "I'll cover these hours, and somebody else will cover these hours, etc." Well, for the last twenty years, I've been involved with Rosary for Life. We're called okay, okay? and we pray at the twelve thousand Shaker Boulevard killing chambers, and. You have a chance to meet us on the first Saturdays. We meet at the Benedictine Abbey on the first Saturday morning. Every first Saturday, they house us, and we have a mass at nine fifteen a.m. And then we go to the killing chambers. So, is there, uh, uh, Frank, is there, um, is is there a, any kind of a website or or an email address people can use to reach out to you if they wanted to talk to you about uh, perhaps joining the prayer group? Not not for Rosary for Life. Uh, Lake County Right to Life has a website. Uh, okay, do you work with them? No, not necessarily. I don't work against them. I just no, I understand. Uh, Frank, Frank, all I'm trying to do, I get it. I get what you're saying. All I'm trying to do is, like, let's say there are listeners right now who say, I would like to be a part of this, uh, but they don't want to just show up you know, un- unannounced, or they don't know who you are. They would like to meet you and meet others who are going to pray ahead of time. Is there a way for them to contact you is all I'm trying to ask. Well, well, well uh, our group of Rosary for Life, which is a majority, a good majority of the people, Okay. Meets at the Benedictine High School property on Martin Luther King at Buckeye Road on the okay. first Saturday. At a week. Confessions at 8.30 a.m. for Catholics and uh, 9.15 a.m. Mass right at the Benedictine Abbey in their own private chapel. Okay, and so so the first Saturday of the month, so the next opportunity if somebody wanted to come and meet with you and others to uh, be a part of this would be Saturday, June 1st, right? Well, sure. However, look, just show up on Saturday. We're there every Saturday morning, okay? Okay. It's starting from 7 a.m. till 7 p.m. We need people for those late hours, too, by the way. That's when you see the rescue squad. They hold the bleeders up there. By the way, women, there's no gift for women in abortion. They're being mutilated, injured regularly there. I'd say one out of eight women gets injured somehow. So it's not much of a good choice for women to go to have abortion. It's very did, um, dangerous. Did you go and see the movie Unplanned, Frank? At twice, yes, sir. Thank twice. You. Yeah, I, I because obviously they they spend some time on one of those cases just to kind of show what you're talking about when you t- call them bleeders. Um, one woman who was who was injured very badly in her procedure and ended up sitting out in a waiting area with everybody else and almost almost died. He fell unconscious. Had, again, this is we, this is we, Abby Johnson's uh, personal witness story. Uh, so you know it's not like it's uh, some made up story, and obviously it's not it's not uh, isolated it, to it, to a few places. Go go to the website Operation Rescue Operation Rescue dot org. 
Okay. You'll see videos and photos of right here in Cleveland. There were two rescue squads there in April in the same day at wow. the same time at 6.30 and 7 o'clock p.m. Uh, it was either a Wednesday or a Friday. Right. We had, it's on up that, that video. That, those photos are on OperationRescue.org. You can look it up. I am going to do exactly that. Yeah, I am going to do exactly that. I'm going to look up that uh, uh, that website because people do need to know that. And you're right about getting it on camera. If you need more people to you know to be there and document and pray and so on and so forth, that's certainly that's yeah. certainly a very a very wise thing to do. You'll see you'll see a video or two of mine on up on the, in the archives. But anyway, all right. Well, uh, thank you. No problem. Thank you. I really appreciate your commitment to this, Frank, and thank you for sharing the information. So uh, first Saturday of every month, as you heard him say, at uh, uh, at Benedictine, uh, they hold a mass and they hold a meeting and they, uh, you know, kind of uh, then they go out and, and, and pray at these various locations uh, to try to, uh, uh, to, to, to touch the mind and the heart of a woman who's about to go in and, and, and have this procedure done. That's the best way I can describe it. I'm looking at it now, just for those who can't. I did. I went ahead and looked down, uh, looked up, rather, uh, Operation Rescue. Uh, it is, uh, yeah, it is very, very uh, complex. I want to say complex. It's very detailed. There are a lot of, a lot of stories. There are a lot of um, uh, instances where they have uh, coverage of ambulances being dispatched to these various planned parenthood clinics to rescue women who have been bought, who had their abortions botched or had the procedures done in an unsafe manner to the point where the women are in serious jeopardy there. So that's something nobody tells you about. Nobody talks about that. Frank brought that up too in his call. Nobody talks about that. Everybody thinks that going in and having an abortion is a safe thing. It's uh, my body has been invaded by this tumor that is, uh, you know, that some people call a baby. I want to get it out of me. Ah, oh, now I feel great again. Now, oh, now this is my my body has had health care performed on it, so it feels good. Uh, they don't talk about it. What Frank just brought up the the number of women. And I don't know what the percentage is. He's estimating. He said maybe one out of eight that they know of. But uh, the number of women, which would, by the way, be an extraordinarily high number, considering there are millions of abortions performed across this country every year. I mean, think about that. If one out of every eight ended up in an ambulance or a hospital because of what is being done, is this some great, you know, easy, no problem, in and out procedure? Where you're just having a little health care procedure performed? I, I don't want to get all too into the weeds on this, but obviously uh, the point that he was trying to make is a legitimate one. Uh, and they need help. They need people to watch. They need people to, to know when the uh, quote-unquote bleeders are being brought out uh, to the ambulances, that they're trying to hide, of course, from anybody who is videotaping and praying outside and, and uh, you know bringing attention to the situation. So I appreciate that very much. All right, it's 946. Going to get a time out here because on the other side I want to come back and I want to bring uh, to your attention the latest on the Equality Act. This is a different story. I want to pivot away from the the abortion story for a moment or two. I want to talk about the Equality Act because it is supposed to be coming up for a vote very, very soon. It is a very, very dangerous act, despite its seemingly positive name, equality. Who could possibly be against equality, right? Uh, No, it's not that simple. I'm going to share the rest of that story coming up next on AM 1420, The Answer. Authority here on AM 
1420. The answer. So I'm going to pivot, as I promised, to a different story here, but um, the uh, the Hillary monster is back on Twitter. Hillary Clinton tweeting, The abortion bans in Alabama, Georgia, Ohio, Kentucky, and Mississippi are appalling attacks on women's lives and fundamental freedoms. Women's rights are human rights. We will not go back. I just listen to people like that, and I just I shake my head, you know, and I... I I wish I wish better for them, honestly, than the evil that possesses their souls to make such statements completely with, with no self-awareness or no awareness of the other side, the other person, the other being involved in this. I, I could very easily turn this around instead of the abortion bans in Alabama, Georgia, Ohio, Kentucky, Mississippi are appalling attacks on women's lives from fundamental freedoms and say the abortion uh, factories turned out legally in New York or Virginia, or Vermont, or Connecticut, are appalling attacks on babies' lives and their fundamental freedom to exist. Babies' rights are human rights because they're babies. They're human babies. We will not go back. We will not go back uh, to where? To a time when babies are just discarded as casually as uh, something you scraped off the bottom of your shoe? Because that's exactly what they do in these clinics. All right. So I, did, I just saw that from uh, from Hillary Clinton and had to share that. Now, the Equality Act. Are you familiar with this? I've talked about it on this program. If you're a regular listener, you may recall this. If not, I'll give it to you in a thumbnail sketch. This is a massive, massive attack that they declare to be promoting equality, particularly for the LGBTQ mafia. Uh, that is demanding quote unquote equality in every every aspect, um, but in reality is an attack on religious rights, religious liberty, and employers and employees. You can lose your job, you can lose your business if you run afoul of any of the various uh, elements of the Equality Act. This is all about all about the LGBTQ mafia. On Wednesday, March thirteenth, Nancy Pelosi introduced the Equality Act. It would add sexual orientation and gender identity as protected classes under federal civil rights laws. But, unlike the Civil Rights Act of 1964, which furthered equality by ensuring that African Americans had equal access to public accommodations and material goods, the Equality Act furthers inequality by penalizing everyday Americans for their beliefs about marriage and biological sex. Similar sexual orientation and gender identity laws at the state and local levels have already been used in this way, and we see it all the time. Now, if it's done on a federal level, there are going to be more and more Americans ensnared in this, facing serious penalties, loss of income, loss of jobs, and loss of religious freedom. The Heritage Foundation put together a pretty pretty good look here at five different groups that would be harmed if this Equality Act is allowed to become law, including, as I mentioned, employers and the workers. The Equality Act would force employers and workers to conform to new sexual norms or lose their businesses and jobs. Already happening at the state and local levels. The most high-profile examples... Colorado Baker Jack Phillips, you know this, all the way to the Supreme Court after the Civil Rights Commission of Colorado accused him of discrimination simply because he refused to make a cake for same-sex wedding. He made cakes for same-sex couples 
and and uh, uh, gay customers just couldn't sign on to the wedding part because uh, he's a Christian, and it's against his religion. It's very simple. If the Equality Act passes, people like him would have no redress whatsoever. He is going to be fined. He's going to be essentially drummed out of business, which they tried to do already. He's not the only victim. Other cases of disagreement over the meaning of marriage feature florists, bakers, photographers, wedding venue owners, videographers, web designers, calligraphers, public servants, and I'll add to that, disc jockeys and bands that are often hired to play the weddings. Now citizens are being punished for their views on biological sex as well. Shortly after the Supreme Court ruling at Masterpiece Cake Shop out in Colorado, Jack Phillips found himself being targeted again as he was demanded to make a gender transition celebration cake. Once again, he wouldn't do it. After the Colorado Civil Rights Commission found probable cause that Phillips had discriminated on the basis of gender identity, he sued the commission for targeting him again for his Christian beliefs. Ultimately, the commission dropped the case, and Phillips agreed to drop his own lawsuit. But all of this stuff isn't free. All of this stuff costs money to have to fight and defend yourself in your business. Even when victims win the legal battles, there's a big chilling effect. They just, this discourages people from opening new businesses or entering into certain fields entirely. So the Equality Act would increase conflicts like these and put people out of work for the beliefs. You don't have to be a business owner either. I'll give you another example of that. Peter Vlaming, high school French teacher, fired under the school's anti-discrimination policy. This would be widespread if the Equality Act passes. He refused to comply with the administration's orders to use a female student's pronoun, a masculine pronouns. He tried to accommodate the student by avoiding pronouns altogether and just using uh, the name over and over and over again, but this was considered insufficient. Demanded, ordered to use the wrong pronoun for a biological female or be fired. He wouldn't do it. He got fired. The Equality Act will increase those. Who else can be targeted under this? Medical professionals. It would force hospitals and insurers to provide and pay for those therapies against any moral or medical objections they might have. It could politicize or would politicize medicine by forcing professionals to act against their best medical judgment and provide transition-affirming therapies. That fight's already underway in Catholic hospitals in California and New Jersey that have been sued for declining to perform hysterectomies on otherwise healthy women who want to become male. A third, remember, a doctor's, a doctor's uh, uh, primary tenet of the Hippocratic Oath is to first do no harm, and this does harm to people. A third Catholic hospital in Washington settled out of court when the ACLU sued them for declining to perform a double mastectomy on a gender dysphoric 16-year-old girl, a confused girl who wanted to become male, so she wanted to have mastectomies. These cases would multiply exponentially under the Equality Act if it passes. Parents and children would suffer under this as well. The politicization of medicine would ultimately harm families by normalizing hormonal and surgical interventions for gender dysphoric, a.k.a. confused kids, as well as ideological education in schools and other venues. 80 to 95% of children who are confused about what they are no longer feel distressed by their bodies after they hit puberty. But because activists continue to push their own radical protocol, Social transition, including puberty blockers, are given to kids as young as age four. Cross-sex hormones as young as 14. Surgeries by 18. 
This would be mandatory protocol in the future if some confused little kid indicated in any way that they think they're the other sex, then boom, all of these these uh, um, uh, uh, measures are going to have to be taken to support it, to support their delusions. Women would be hurt by dismantling safe specific or excuse me, sex specific facilities, sports, and other female only spaces. And nonprofits and volunteers would be targeted as well. And I don't have time to read this part to you. But again, there's a great story. It's a great story. It's a very informative story from the Heritage Foundation uh, that I've shared on social media and shall share again. If you follow me on Twitter or, or uh, Facebook at France Radio, you can read this and share it with your friends. The Equality Act must be stopped. Call your congressman, call your senator, do what you've got to do to make sure that this atrocity never becomes law. And it's not about not wanting equality. It's not about wanting to be discriminatory. It's it's about wanting to have your liberties protected. And that's sacrosanct in the United States of America. It's 1001. We're back with Dr. Everett Piper next, right here on AM 1420. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.